listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Cree Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we've entered back into the studio for episode 420. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, what's going on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what you being into this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I got to start the new season of um, uh, uh, What If? So oh, I got my, to catch oh, the... um, uh, Yeah, yeah. It, they just dropped it recently or some point. You know, I saw a bunch of marketing, of but it was talking about season one of What If, and I didn't even realize that it was a promo run up until the dropping of the season two, so that's dope. Definitely yeah, getting into yeah. That. Season two has been really, really fucking dope. I, I, I'm really, really enjoying the stories that they're telling mm-hmm. th- this time around. They're doing a lot of um, inverted storylines of like the originals. And I'm really, really enjoying seeing these new version of a lot of these characters. So Dope. she was super lit. All right. So I, I, you will. All right. So then we might have to hold on to a deep dive of that until um, next episode, because I definitely want to watch that. Yeah, I, it's all good. I would have definitely got into it if um, if I was on top of it. But yeah, that sounds like a, a, a fun one. Uh, yeah. So far, so good. Like it. It, it look the animation is, is fucking beautiful. Um, okay. One of my favorite ones is they had this. Uh, uh, what if Nor? Uh, what if um, uh, uh, Nebula joined the Nova Corps? And that one I really, <laughs> really like that one because that one has like heavy um, uh, uh, Blade Runner vibes to it, and it's oh, got wow. like she's like a Nor detective investigating something. So it, it, it it's fucking dope. Like the visual aesthetic, how it's done, like her character and shit. It's all really, really cool. I fucked with that one heavy. And there was also <laughs> like what if Happy saved Christmas, like Happy Hogan. Ended up having to um, defend Avengers Tower when um, Justin oh. Hammer fucking broke in. So that uh, one was really fucking dope. Okay. That was one of my favorite ones. That one sounds thing, fun. Yeah. One thing I really like about this season, I'm, I'm up to episode uh, five. There was like one pretty heavy one that was about like um, colonists and indigenous people. That one was kind of heavy. But the rest of them, they, they, they have a really nice mix, but they, they have a lot of levity to them. And this season has been pretty humorous. Actually, no. Nah, the the, the 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 Peggy Carter Peggy Carter um Captain America one, her story is a little heavy. It's funny how like that that uh storyline is a th- is very prominent in the What If series. Like there's been an episode about that that crossover in both seasons. Yeah, that that's sort of like um, uh, it seems like in this one they're setting up uh, uh, uh another team up like they did last season to uh, as far as like the culmination of the season. So. And it does seem that she is the uh, the Captain America of the team this time. I think she was last time as well. Yes, and and not for nothing. I thought that it definitely was underplayed. Like the whole like last three episodes of season one, where like the the separate storylines started to converge, and I was like, you know, that's actually pretty unique for for what if because what if. The only through line was that it was Uatu telling the stories, but the universe has never crossed over before. So that was actually some interesting lore building in the uh, in the MCU. 
that they yeah, were doing. Yeah, so. it's it's because they're really just borrowing the title and the idea of the stories. Yeah, the what if originally were their own thing, whereas these ones are specifically linked to the MCU as established. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy I I enjoyed what they were doing, man. I thought that the because you know one of the earliest comics when I started getting into comics only because that was what was current at the time was um the amalgam comics and uh the um the crossover wars you know yeah. the dc versus marvel and so i always enjoyed like seeing different universes uh uh meet up and and you know the different versions of of the heroes that end up coalescing into a team but um yeah you can you know you get this internally now with the way that they structure the multiverses and so yeah i i enjoyed the way they ended that last season and so I I like uh, how they do like the the thread weaving where you see a bunch of the different storylines and they don't kind of you know come together until uh, midway through the season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing how that part develops as well. Yeah, it's super cool. It's like they took the structure of the MCU movie building and just kind of put it in episode format. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool because you could do that in animation in a way that you can't really do in movies as much. One thing you would they they take advantage of animation really well in this one is like yo the fights are amazing man they look fucking fucking beautiful excellently choreographed and like because budget isn't too much of a concern in animation it's really more so like time and shit mm-hmm. it, it looks fucking fucking fantastic the fights are really dope and they they actually use like it's funny because we were talking about slow mo last week it's like. They use slow-mo how it's supposed to be used, like, mm-hmm. capture, like, good, unique moments. Or yes. that one time when they didn't do that, it was specifically to make a joke about slow motion. It was Korg walking in fucking um, slow motion to be like, thanks for indulging me, guys. I've always wanted to walk really slow. <laughs> it, was, it was just him walking slow. It wasn't even the use of slow motion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was just he got him and a couple other people to, to do the dramatic walkout. Nice. And then right at the end of the dramatic walkout, he was like, "Yeah, thanks for walking slow with me. I always wanted to do that." Oh man, that's that's uh, that. I I enjoyed the uh, the levity that they inject into the into the animated stuff. Um, I see a lot of it in in like um across the Spider Verse stuff like that. Like yeah, that has some really good moments, especially fucking um Andy Samberg as fucking uh, Scarlet Spider. He was yeah. hilarious. Classic. So yeah. That's what you were getting into? Yeah, that's pretty much the other than that was just playing games and shit. That's what's up. I actually, um, I got to catch a movie that I had seen a lot of buzz about. People had uh, kept bringing up online, at least. And um, it was uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, mm-hmm. the second movie. And I didn't see the first movie. I, I always thought Puss in Boots was a very endearing character in the Shrek movies. But... I generally kind of just fell off from those types of animated movies um, only because there was other things I was more interested in consuming. But I kept hearing this movie come up in the same way that I keep hearing um, TMNT. Uh, what is it? The uh, the last... A Mutant Mayhem? A Mutant Mayhem, yes. Uh, in the same endearing way, like, it's just a really good, solid movie. Like, it's a lot of fun stuff. Um, the scenes are great. Uh, uh, the storylines are are very fulfilling, and you know it's just a good ride all around. And so, um, I finally caught up with that, and I will catch up with um TMNT Mutant Mayhem. That that's that's on the docket. It's just that this one was super fun, really available. Um, which I think that TMNT is actually really available right now as well. 
um, either on Disney Plus or Netflix. But either way, um, I'm going to try to catch that one next. But this one was actually, it was it was a good movie. It had some, you know, I think some, some artistic uh, direction choices that I thought were like, okay, I guess. But um, overall, the movie was great. I really loved um, how they, they, because of the storyline that they chose, they were able, they were able to um, build a very complex opposition to Puss. So, uh, have, have you seen the movie? Oh, no. I haven't even seen any of the Shrek movies. You can spoil whatever. I'm, I don't think I'll ever watch any of those movies. So Yeah, well, you know. Do your thing. Yeah, uh the the villain structure was set up such that it had um it had like a uh, a genuine villain like just an evil guy that was his opposition then it had like an anti-hero which was just somebody who had the same goal as him but wanted to achieve it in their way you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then it had uh, a a bad guy who represented just like the reflection of the hero, which is like <laughs> his fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so I was like, geez, they 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 had three solid options, and you're like, you know what? This is an animation. We could just do all of them, honestly. And I was like, good on you. That was act that that worked to the benefit of the movie because it it made everything feel relevant. You know what I mean? So. The journey didn't have to be filled with a bunch of disparate adventures that had no real um, narrative development other than, you know, him overcoming an obstacle. It added a lot of life to it. You know what I mean? And so I was like, wow, that was really well done. And so, yeah, I could see as to how this movie was particularly salient because it had so many different avenues of characters for you to um, be able to relate to. And so it was like, it was going to hit... At some point, with some base of these these characters, like smart move, like just a really well made and well crafted movie, I think. Um, and I and I think that that's kind of necessary in the animated uh, environment. It's like you have that narrative control, you have that, you know, ability to to be able to to uh, direct all the pieces in concert that way. And so, yeah, I thought that Puss in Boots, you know. Outside of maybe the the more childish um, inspirations, decided to go with a very well developed narrative to 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 tell the movie, and so yeah, it came out well. I was like, you know what, not for nothing. It, it was a good recommendation, you know. Um, I think it was warranted of of the buzz, you know. I give it a solid seven, you know, um, in terms of if I were to recommend it, but yeah. Nice, and I'm sure Antonio Banderas was killing it too. Oh, nigga, it's Salma Hayek. He was playing opposite Salma Hayek. I mean, Bruh. fuck out of here, bro. If you're not willing the to Desperado listen. team up, said bro. And um, yeah. So, um, into actually some of the stuff in the movie, um, it's so it was like it would use, um, it had like action action CG that kind of borderlined on like across the Spider Verse level animation. In in the action scenes, but most of the movie was exposited in like the typical three D that you would expect to see it in, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it was a perfect blending, perfect blending, because like yeah, the overuse of that gets kind of like eye strainy for people like me, like because that's always been been something that I said, but here it was like no no it was used in a perfect amount, you know what I mean, <clears throat> and so yeah, 
the animation was great. Um, and it it took place in I assume Spain or some place that was predominantly Hispanic, and so it was particularly odd whenever they chose to use um different different tropes because all the characters were based off of various ethnic Hispanic tropes, which was dope. And and so like eventually they got to a scene with uh the old lady in the shoe. And they chose to use uh, just a, a, a popular African-American trope. And I was just like, all right, well, there's a Hispanic trope that also fits that uh, that role. And so I don't know why they chose to do that, but it felt a little bit shoehorned only because it was in such dark juxtaposition to everyone else being in there. And then the one other time is the uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. They're mercenaries from Russia that were hired, <laughs> so that made sense. I got it. You know what that's I mean? Like, fuck, what a great twist! Yeah, like that's a hilarious take. And so it was. It was exactly like there. It's a, it just fits so well in in every other position. Like even the henchmen to um uh to Jack Horner were uh were various like henchman tropes in in American action movies. <laughs> and so like you had like a Danny Trejo and like you get like the the various and so I was like, okay, you guys clearly thought about That's this. Pretty funny. You thought deeply about this. And I and I I shudder to think why you chose to use that particular trope um for um for the old lady in the shoe, but Outside of that, that was the only one that I thought that was particularly egregious. That kind of, like, yeah, that was extra, guys. Didn't have to do that. Um, especially when there was there was inspiration that was ripe to be used that didn't have to, like, break the immersion, you know? But uh, outside of that, dude, like, the action scenes were crazy. Like, it's, it started out with, like, a Dark Souls-like shadows of colossus fight scene with <laughs> fucking puss in boots and a giant golem you know what i mean and i'm just like so you set the tone with a kaiju bro, fight right up front yo straight it was, uh, i'm sorry that that's actually that's the term i was looking for it was it started with a kaiju fight my g you know what I mean? And so I was like, all right, I see what y'all are doing. I see Filby's what you're doing. like, yo, <laughs> strap in. This, this, this is how it's going to go all two hours. And then, and but then, you know, the general storyline evolved in into Puss has used up eight of his nine lives and he's on his last life. <laughs> and now this nigga knows fear. And that's the end. Puss and Boots don't deal good with fear. And I was like, whoa. What a great twist on the on what you would expect to see from a Puss in Boots movie because bravado is a mainstay of that character and just to turn that trope on its head, super creative, very well done. And uh, man, the way he went out on his and it, like the way they chose to make him go out on his eighth life was like the most reckless and stupid shit ever. Is like, see, <laughs> look at you, your fault. You're on your on your last life. You know what I mean? And so um. Yeah, and then they develop his love interest, and they develop the whole idea of why, you know, to value how it is to value a, your single life. Like, good story overall. Like, really well done. And and I and I really do appreciate that they that they did the the villain anti hero, and then the 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 reflective hero, uh, reflective kind the of full counterpart. Head. You know what I mean? Because like. Because, like, even... Because when I say the reflective counterpart, it wasn't even, like, 
the re- the resolution to that wasn't even violent. Like when Puss accepted his 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 last life and and the importance of it, that villain was just like, "You're not even a worthy target no more." <laughs> and I was just like, "What?" what? He, he even found a peaceful end to that, and so it was like it was perfectly reflective of like the the fantastical nature of like the counterpart you know what i mean it's not even like a real villain like the way a jack jack horner yeah it's just his foil it's specifically there to highlight his his flaws exactly and fucking you know that's that's what he's there for but i think that's really cool because um it reminds me of the the, this one quote that i really like every man has two lives and he only Mm -hmm. starts living the and he only starts living once he realizes that he actually has one yeah and so, yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, a salient reduction of that that idea, because yeah, man, um, see, because he had a lot of direct uh, 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 opposition to his goal, you know what I mean? And so, I thought that rounded out the the whole thing. And I, I can only imagine what that looks like when you're trying to storyboard that, and you're like, so which way do we go with this? And somebody's like, yeah, we could just use all three, man. We really could do that, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we could, because that 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 can't that that's that must not be easy to sell, you know what I mean? A uh, 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 villain structure that that's that uh, diverse and complex, but yeah, very fun, very well done, and uh, I would definitely recommend like you know if you got time, if it, if it's if you have time and it's available. It's worth it's worth the time that that you would put into it. It's a good two hours spent. <clears throat> but yeah, other than that, you spent two two hours of Selma Hayek, man. It's never a bad time. You know, it's so funny how um, iconic her voice is, because I had no clue. I mean, I knew I knew that Antonio Banderas was puss because I've um, I've seen I've like I've seen the Shrek movies. Yeah, he's had the role for a minute. Exactly, it's not a new thing, and so. I didn't know. First of all, Kitty Softpaws. I didn't know that that was even a character. <laughs> yeah, it's first time hearing that one. And so, and and yo, evidently, if you put boots in your cat, they gain superpowers. <laughs> because that's awesome, fucking lore, by the way. Yo, that's genius, bro. They they clearly solidified that as like a feature of the world that they're in. That if you put boots on a cat, you've just now. Relegated that cat to a life of of adventure. He's changed game right now. Bro, show to Paris. Yeah, I mean, and so that that is a a tried and true ritual to create a a a, a fun hero. But uh, no, Kitty Softballs is no joke, and that's Selma Hayek, and she's introduced very early. And yeah, I, after a while, I was like, that's Selma Hayek, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't know who I I didn't read any credits. I was completely unfamiliar with the acting cast, other than Antonio Banderas. But um, yeah. That one I do know. Um, I I'm pretty sure that the um the so there's uh, Puss on the adventure. There's Puss in Boots, Kitty Softpaws, and Perito, which is a little Chihuahua that's pretending to be a cat. <laughs> and so um, yeah, and, and and he's just the most like pure character. Like he's just he's simple of mind, and he's just uh, trying to be happy. And that is reflected in all of the things that he touches in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so yeah, it's like uh, it, it was an interesting character. Like not for nothing, I I I appreciated it. Um, definitely don't remember who I didn't identify who his uh his voice actor was through the performance, but um, well delivered, well delivered. <laughs> I will say that. But yeah, outside of that, I wasn't getting into oh, too much. Oh, it's that else. guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's probably famous. Yeah, it's um. My name is not Sanchez. It's a, a, a the same actor that did that that joke in um they clone Tyrone. Harvey Guillen is his name. Mm, okay. But he does a lot of shit, like big and little parts. Yeah, that's what's up. Well good on him. But yeah. Uh other than that, here, let's go ahead. You know, we're eventually gonna have to get into some of the news eventually on this show, so uh, we could definitely try to knock out some of those dear topics this here evening. Um, you know, last time we talked, I, I feel like I glossed over um, the Cat Williams interview. Did you ever get to catch up with any of the, the clips from that? Nah, not particularly. It's it's one of those things that I don't particularly have any interest. I, I mean, I've seen the most common ones constantly because, you know, it's everywhere and everyone's talking about it. So I've seen... You know the the one where he's talking about um uh uh the joke stealing and, and other shit like that and how how he got in his contract somebody else to wear a dress little shit like that but I haven't actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah, and and so I you know what it is is that there is. Cat was clearly speaking truth to some things, and he was clearly being hyperbolic on other things. And he does that thing that comedians do where they expect you to use your common sense to know the difference between the two. And unfortunately, we live in a different era. Like, that's a very old school way of thinking, of just thinking that clearly these people know that when I'm talking about things and I'm saying crazy things, that I'm clearly being hyperbolic on purpose. I am a comedian. And that clearly the things that are within the realm of reason are the only things that are even meant to to, to be taken seriously. Nah, he, hell to the last side. He, uh, I think he went in there specifically to create fucking headlines. I, I don't think he was trying oh, to tiptoe sure. at all. But then you know he would I mean? say some crazy hyperbolic things like, I read 3,000 3, books in a year. <laughs> and I'm like, unless you're reading picture books... You're not and reading ultimately, 3, books. That is the reason I why I didn't watch the interview because yeah. as soon as it came out and all this stuff came out, I was like, yeah, but Cat Williams is an unreliable narrator. So people are just going to cherry pick the parts of the interview that he, they like and, you know, take that part to be to, to use to feel whatever argument that they want to make, essentially, which is how I've seen people use the clips. But then he would explain out. things in his background that were that were true, that there's like documented evidence. Like he would said that he was reading at five years old, which is a difficult thing to do. But at the same token, like it's documented evidence. And it's like he would say that right next to some crazy shit and then expect people to use their common sense. And I'm like... Yeah. That's an unreliable that, narrator right that, there. That is a very unreliable... You, you can't feel trust that's that That's an unreliable narrator. narrator. Someone who just, says shit... That's a very, very normal and understanding you get behind and then also says really, really wild shit and doesn't differentiate between the two because they're all part of the narrative. And 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 so when it comes to like even the Ricky the the Ricky Smiley thing, he explained very succinctly why it wouldn't even make sense the, that it went down the way that Ricky Smiley said, just because no production model works that way, and Ice Cube is a professional, and so I can tell you that he did a professional, you know what I mean? His, his line of lot, he would have never done that. You know what I mean? Like, 
give someone a role, shoot the role, then recast it for no reason other than I just... That doesn't even make sense. There's no amount of him liking me that would... I always had that role, which made perfect sense. But then you said... And then I made a nigga dress in and put it going to dress in his next thing because I put that in my contract. I'm like, nigga, no, I doubt that. I highly doubt that. And I, I could use my common sense to know the difference between the story that made common sense and then where you were just, you were being mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, I just can't trust that the average person listening to that got the, got the, got the joke. No, definitely not. As is evidenced by the responses from it, but I I I I know well, I don't know I know I believe Cat Wilfley Williams definitely knew that going in, and that was hundred percent intentional. And you know what's you know what's crazy is like it's funny because like it's the same thing that happens with like somebody who watches John Oliver, and then he's doing a segment on you know politicians being put in charge of things that they directly profit in uh, from, and he goes. Yeah, you know, don't put the dingo in charge of the baby. And then he goes, I'm not a dingo, sir. And it's like, dude, did you not miss? You missed the part that was serious and the part that was a joke completely. And I think that a lot of people interface with those Cat Williams uh, statements in a similar way. Where yeah. it's like, oh, you didn't see where the serious part ended and the joke started, <laughs> did you? That shit's actually called Poe's Law, which is an adage of, adage of internet culture that's stating... That states, without a clear indicator of the author is an intent, it's impossible to create a parody of extreme views so obviously exaggerated that everybody's going to understand that it's parody. It's it's inevitable, but unfortunately, America just ain't that smart as a whole. Oh, <laughs> man. Also, also I, I do believe when it, whenever it comes to anything on the internet, um, personal bias plays hugely into everything on the internet. True. And I have yet to see any unbiased discussion of anything. Well, I've most of the discussion of Cat Williams stuff is not like this, where it's talking about, yo, he's an unreliable narrator or this, that, the other. Some of it's true, some of it's false. No, people are just taking the parts of it that they specifically want to big, big up and highlight and just going over that and pretty much ignoring everything else, which is, you know, to typical, <laughs> typical of modern day internet discourse. Yes. And so no, no that, that's why I, I I wanted to bring that up at least for the people who get to listen to us. They, you know, if you want to generate an opinion on it, I would highly recommend that you listen to it because it's it's the type of thing that you're going to have to. And yeah, if 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 you have an uncritical ear, you're going to hear this, and you're going to hear some very true statements that set you up to believe some really dumb shit. If <laughs> If you're not being critical and realizing that, no, 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 he's joking at parts of this because he is a comedian and he's always been a comedian. You know what I mean? And he said that himself. He says, no, I've always wanted one to thing about this comedians, comedians can't help themselves. They you can't. Feel me? Not even it, a little if bit. They're, if they're in the middle of saying some shit and a joke writes itself in the middle of what they're saying, they're going to say the joke. Yep. And Cat Williams is not the type of person that feels he needs to apologize for saying some shit. So he's just, he's not even going to bring attention to it. He's just going to move on because he made the joke and it's done. And also, Shannon was fucking yucking that shit up. You know what I'm saying? So he's playing to his audience too. Absolutely. And he did no worse to to Cat than he did to the other guys. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, he let the other guys say a whole bunch of wild, reckless shit. Yeah, that's the point of his show. That's the draw of his show. Same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. And 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 not for nothing, he he 
always gave Cat the, the 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 floor to say what he had to. He started out with the what. 25 minutes soliloquy. So I'm just like, you know, that is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, Cat came there knew, knowing what he wanted to say and who he wanted to address. Because he ain't say nothing bad about DL. You know what I mean? You know, he only spoke on people. And then, you know, a lot of people, it, the, the critiques, as you said, are very trite. They're, they're not contextualized. They don't, they don't, take into account that he is performing and he is a habitual performer and so he expects you to be able to uh on the same level um that Andy Kaufman would you know what I mean the way that Andy Kaufman was like he was always giving bits because it was in him you know what I mean and and so you might end up trying to have a serious conversation and he's just not into it at the moment you know and and there was a little bit of that, and I think you know, alcohol is present. <laughs> and he despite said he was him, sipping prior, despite him being like, "I'm not motivated by alcohol, sir." No, and, and see, no, no, he's not motivated by alcohol, but he most certainly is fueled by it. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like, no, 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 you were right. You're what, speaking truth. What did he, but no, that's what he juice. said. I'm quoting yeah, I know, him. I know, I know. I know, I know. You, you know right. what I mean? That ain't me. My nigga yeah. said, "What?" I think he said, "The he truth did. is not motivated by alcohol or Absolutely. something to that yeah, effect." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, that was definitely a quote. That was definitely, and and maybe early on that was, but don't nobody sit across from another man <laughs> drinking for two hours and not be drunk. Sipping. And you oh, know that's high shit. quality oh, liquor, yeah, too. Exactly. Good shit. Right there. You know that's high oh, quality man, you liquor, know too. The, yo, you know how hard that good shit will creep on Facts, you, bro. bro. We've been sitting on some good shit Going once in a while. Like, bitch. Yeah. I'm yeah. fucked up. Why am I driving so fast? You what is going it? on? It's yep. like, or you, you know what it is? It's also like when you're drinking, if you're drinking while sitting down for a while, mm. a lot of times you don't notice you're drunk so you stand up and you're like, oh shit. Gravity you've in this chair is doing that. all the work. I know you've had bad experiences with standing up too me? fast. It's like, yo, gravity was doing all the work just now. Hold on. No, I yeah, cat be wild and that's what cat does. Yeah, no, that, he That's how he makes his money. Listen, he knew that he had. There was no way he could show up to Shannon's show saying what he was saying and and or br- claiming what he was claiming to Shannon and not deliver a lot of uh, of of heat and tea. He had to. Yeah. He had to. And um, not for nothing. I I I appreciate him for the way he did it. I think he did it in the most respectful way he could. I think that um, you know, there was no side shots. Anybody who caught something caught that shit because he was shooting at you, and yeah. that's a, that that's that's something that 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 a lot of people will own up to. Not a lot of people have that integrity. All of the bullets had names on them. Oh, every last <laughs> one of them. You know what I mean? Um, and and I mean he stood on 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 defending some some people that even I didn't agree with. Like he, he I I think that um Nick Cannon has you know. Nick Nick Cannon had uh or 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 Cat Williams had some some shots for uh uh Kim Kardashian but didn't have no shots for Nick Cannon and Nick Cannon's his boy and I'm like yo listen he's out here fucking crazy <laughs> and you called Kim Kardashian a whore <coughs> but Nick Cannon's your boy and I'm like, I don't see very much different. And this is not a shot at either of them, but I don't see very much difference between 
Nick Cannon and 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 Kim Kardashian at this late stage in their career. Now, you know, Nick Cannon had some act, but I mean, listen, Drumline is is Drumline. It's it's a decent movie. I don't think that that's the kind of accolades that 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 uh and 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 not for nothing. Her Kim's sex tape might have put up them numbers too. <laughs> so you know we so don't want to do that. Even know the kid's you know, name. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to really do that if we want to talk about like, oh, who's more of of of, of a, a stalwart in their field? Because we not you know a lot of people want to respect Kim's field, but you know what I mean. In the end. Nick's got kids on the back of of him sleeping around, <laughs> and she's got millions on the back of her sleeping around. So it's, I don't see a whole lot of difference. You know what I mean? Like it, it's purely semantic, in my opinion. And so, you know, that is what it is. So uh, I did appreciate that Cat had some words in defense of like Mark Curry and 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 Bernie, because those those are OGs that I don't think. Because there's a culture of disrespecting the the prior generation because of X, Y, and Z, you know, not to say that there isn't reasonable critique of the older generation, but the hate, nah, I never justify that. Yeah, and um, Mr. Cooper was one of the first sitcoms I ever saw. Oh, of course, yo, my guy, I love that, and not for nothing, it was one of the first times where I never like I never saw black people in like. Like down bad, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. there was scenarios and things would happen and people would learn and grow, but it, there was no like down bad black people in that show. Like, you know what I mean? Like it it, it had it a lot of like, positive um, images. Uh, uh, fuck, not living. Is it? Li- it's living single. Yeah, it's like living single. Yeah, yes, living single definitely. Like it had struggles, but it didn't have like, yo. This person is like a re- in, in a total rut, like no. spiraling downwards. Like I don't know what saves. They this were part, like you know? lawyers, and I think Overton was the only one that had like an ambiguous occupation. But everybody nah, was hella not even. successful. He was a handyman, yo. He, That's true. Yeah, and he yeah. started his own business. Like That's even true. Overton was a business owner by the by the end of the show. And that, yeah. yeah, that was a. As I got older, I I encountered hang with Mr. Cooper prior to um living single. But yeah, living single also did have a great. Um, batch of uh, like examples. Yeah, uh, that you could look at it like, yeah, people struggle, but you think it ain't down bad. Like you look yeah. at the wire, and it's like there's you look some at successful bubbles. black people. Like there are people out here. Yes, they're 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 struggling against the system, but they're also doing it too. You know, yeah. what I mean? that was that was really dope. Yeah, I miss that show. There, there's a because you know if you look at more modern shows that are probably like if you were to look at numbers <laughs> are similarly as prop uh popular. Like you look at like the wire, and like there's like down badass black like people are poof, snowfall like empire people go like sideways in those shows and it's like man it sucks that that's like the images that are being propagated um in a more popular fashion these days instead of shows like let me single but that also depends on the story you're trying to tell though you know mm-hmm. in the wire they were specifically they were telling the story of specifically baltimore oh so. for sure but that's also i mean even if you were to look at other shows uh, similar of its time, it was that was a popular trope. Like that, that was the air of of, of kind of popular black t- television because it was the same time as Empire. Yeah, I got you. I just wa- I just wanted to, yeah. you know, what I'm saying. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm saying I just wanted the wire to like breathe. You know, what I'm saying that's all. No, no. Oh, great show. This is not to knock on the wire. Not at all. Not at all. 
Um, it was a very real and visceral story that, you know, stuck as realistically as he could, you know, in the dramatized version he was telling. Because Peter Simon is an investigative journalist, so I give him a lot of credit for, you know, at least trying to be um, relevant in his depictions, for sure. But, um, yeah, no, I would just to say, like, that was a different time. You know what I mean? Where we, where we saw those kind of overwhelmingly positive images of black people on TV. That was a different TV. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why some creators are doing their, uh, uh, bringing it back, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, Issa Rae does a really good job of that. It's it's like, it, it really has to do, I feel like, with the, the creators, really. Because mm-hmm. back then, young black Hollywood were doing their best to, like, put those images out there. But something happened to, to black Hollywood around that time where it really just sort of disappeared and Hollywood became how it is now. But sort of like the kids who grew up seeing those imageries, they made it into the industry, and now they're starting to make stuff that are like contrary to what mm-hmm. might be more mainstream and popular, or at least things that are more uh, specific to their experience rather than what you know. What I'm saying. Well, yeah, there's. I think there's always been the creation of that media. I don't. I don't think that it makes it into the mainstream by accident. I think that it became entertaining to a certain group of people. And so the gatekeepers opened up the door for them because they believed it would be profitable. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that, I'm glad that that exists. I don't think that they made it purely on the merit of, you know, what they were making because they were always making stuff of that quality. I think that gatekeepers opened up for them and, and, and I'm oh, very yeah. happy. I, I wasn't even that. talking about, I wasn't even getting into that. I was just saying that, you know, it, it's sort of like just, mm-hmm. just how the generation breeds uh, another thing. And then there was a gap in it. That's really all I was saying. Yeah. But, and, 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 and I do, uh, I do think that today, at least the tools are so prevalent nowadays that we get a thriving indie culture. So you never have to look too far to get, quality content even if you don't like what the mainstream is producing there's so much available to you and there's so much benefit in you consuming that side that indie content that i it's really hard to get mad at the market because it's like well it's right there for you you know what i mean like yeah it's like walking into a kid's shoe store and complaining they ain't got no sizes for you like if you walk right out that door there's an entire mall full of shoe stores i'm sure you could find one that has a shoe your size but yeah, no, that's that's to say, um, I appreciate you know what Cat did. I thought I thought that um, he started tons of conversations. I think that calling out Kevin Hart as an industry plant is like it's it's hitherto. You know what I mean? Like you've yes, it seems like he might have embellished or have been embellished about his time in L.A. Because the the dates don't match up, because he he's literally made a public narrative about his time in Philly, that would overlap with. So I get that, you know what I mean. Man, he's definitely the first celebrity to ever do that. And the last, that was that that was really a, a factual point. You know what I mean? Like Kevin Hart came up with he. I mean, my first introduction to Kevin Hart whatsoever was Soul Plane. So it is pretty wild that and and my family, you know, I comic view, things like that were a regular in my household. You know what I mean? My dad, my brother, all of my cousins were very, very big into like 
watching Def Comedy Jam, a lot of the, the mainstream comedy shows that were available, you know what I mean? And so it really was very rare for me to just be introduced to a comedian out the raw in in um in like a big movie. You know what I mean? Um to the point where I I had seen Eddie Murphy stand-ups way before I had seen an Eddie Murphy movie. And I was definitely not old enough to have seen Eddie Murphy stand-ups before I saw Eddie Murphy movie. So, you know, it was just one of those things that I'm like, mm, that does feel a little bit weird. Like, that does kind of speak to my experience that it's a, that's a bit odd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Kevin Hart's first exposure to me was that. No, I didn't. I never cons- I consumed that TV show that he was on. That was... I mean, IMDb is the only verification I got for that one. But, um, yeah, it is pretty odd to get those kind of opportunities. And Soul Plane was not an, a, a, like a kickoff success. You know what I mean? Like, Soul Plane became popular after the fact. Like, well after he had received more and more deals and more and more placements, did Soul Plane actually become popular? It's through the increased exposure to Kevin Hart that got people to then and then you know a white audience and that's you know that is what it is you know i'm not not mad that that most of the times if you're successful you're going to be successful because your demographics match the demographics of the country and that's 60 percent white you know what i mean like that is just what it is and so yeah you know it is just interesting how that happened that way you know, Kevin Hart got a, a had way more staying power than I thought would have been afforded to somebody of just his limited exposure, at least, you know, in terms of mainstream black comedy. So when Cat Williams says what he says, it makes sense. And um, Kevin's only response is stop being angry and, and, and check my new shit out. So I'm like, all right. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like the things that Kat says that are obviously verifiable are true, and the things that Kat says that are not obviously verifiable are clearly jokes. <laughs> I mean, but regardless of whether it was true or not, I mean, as we've said before on this podcast, there is no benefit to responding to that type of shit. You feel me? What Kevin Hart did is absolutely the right answer. Just plug your new shit and just move on. Oh, that's true, You're too. just going to get drugged into bullshit. There's no point in arguing with the internet with back and forth. Nigga, you're already especially successful. You, What's the point? Especially when you can't say what they want to hear anyway. You feel it's me? like you know that there's and no also, way yeah. you can say what they want to hear. And people already made up their minds. As soon as the 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 Kevin, as soon as soon um, um Cat Williams' words hit the air, people already made up their minds. So just... You you already have your audience. You're already successful. Yeah, just plug your new shit. Use use this nigga bringing you up as free promotion. Why not? That is the only correct answer as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. You know, I, I can't expect him to dig his own grave, so. You feel me? The, the response We were just talking about expected. a nigga, like, not even two weeks ago that did his own grave by responding to the shit that the internet said. I mean, you feel I just me? wanted to give him the air to, to actually put out some receipts. <laughs> oh, if, sure. Because if he had receipts and, sure. he could, and he can combat the argument, I got to give him a place to do that. He clearly said, sir, I have no interest. Yeah, it's and one so of those that's things where... That's it. It's one of those things where there is no benefit to entering into that argument, right? Yeah. What's the... what What exactly... Even if he could rebut and prove those things, what exactly does he accomplish 
by doing that. That doesn't really change how his audience feels about him. You know what I'm saying? The people who are going to see his movies anyway it, it are going to come the, see his yeah, movies. The, it, it, I'm sure that there is people who who will divest from uh, uh, a Kevin Hart as sure. a comedian. But not a large but not enough to, yeah, to no, hurt no. His, exactly. his money. However, a minority of however, the minority population coming out and saying the wrong thing in response oh, absolutely yeah. will fuck we'll you tank over. your career. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Because he said he sucked Harvey Weinstein's dick, and I was like, ooh. You feel me? You, you just, you like, they're, they're just, when, when someone's saying wild shit that, like that, yeah, you yeah. just let them say the wild shit, because once you enter into it, all you're going to do is just fuel. You're just going to add unnecessary fuel to and the I, fire. And that was a joke. I don't Whereas know if he if exactly said, said that he sucked Harvey Weinstein's dick. I don't want to put that, that on him, because that's not... I watched that whole interview and I don't exactly <laughs> remember him saying that verbatim. I was just saying he was saying wild, reckless stuff about about Kevin's um, participation in the industry. Feel me? And sometimes you just gotta just just sometimes you just gotta be like, yeah, you heard the wild ass shit that nigga said, and you're gonna believe anything he said. Right after he said that thing that you believe, he also said some other wild, reckless shit. So. How exactly does one go about picking out the bullshit from the truth? Especially when one is in a profession where that is specifically obfuscated for the purpose of, you know, telling the jokes or delivering the punchline. You know what I mean? It's, it's well, a no-win situation. It's like intentionally go engaging in a he said, she said when you have no intention of saying anything to that person's face. It's just... All right, are we are we are we in middle school? Because if we're in middle school, we could do this. But if we're not in middle school, I think that as two grown ass men, this shouldn't be happening. So I'm yeah. not going to engage in that back and forth. Like I've seen a lot of the, like the responses I've seen to it were great. Like well, well, as far as um ludicrous and and um and uh, uh uh Kevin Hart, you know what I'm saying? Well, I just heard about the Kevin Hart one now, but yeah, he, man, don't feed internet trolls, bro. That's essentially what he's doing on Shannon's show. Is essentially internet trolling. Don't. Don't feed it. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say he's internet trolling because he only spoke because Kevin spoke on him, so that's not internet trolling. Kevin used. But I mean, name. initially though, the, initially it was it, it was um cat that said you know fired the first shot, right? No, it was Kevin Hart on the Breakfast Club. Oh, oh okay, okay, he my bad. Kat, I didn't know they were going back. Cat was upset because Kevin Hart went on the Breakfast Club and said that Cat Williams was unsuccessful because he chose drugs over his career. Amen. And that was just factually untrue. That is that equally in, like that is equally garbage to me. You know what I mean? I, as you were just saying, this is a bunch of grown men engaging in he say it's he say. You know what I'm saying? There's, so, yeah. there's no benefit to that for me. And then that's none of my business. And then Steve Harvey was made it did an interview where he made comment about Mark Curry, and then uh, Travis Smiley called out uh, Cat Williams, and so that's when Cat Williams was like, you know. Uh, let me go sit down with, with with Shannon and clear the air because these niggas is out here with my name in their mouth and we got to deal with this. So I now, mean, but as far as that new revelation makes Cat CV less reliable to me now, you feel me? Because they're saying stuff like super specific, like "Oh, Cat is on drugs and fucked up his career," and he's saying shit like. Yeah, I got them niggas' addresses in my contract. It just seems well, it no, just no, no, no. feels like that, that was the that that was those were the the shots after he put the receipts that what he said was 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 wasn't true. So either like, way, it just seems like elementary bickering between a bunch of grown men to me. You know what I mean? That's that's what that seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of grown men who are taking specific shots at somebody and they're responding. I, I, you don't have to respond as you said before, but I don't think that that makes you petty when you're a comedian and so 
your job is to be in the public sphere making people laugh. People were greatly entertained by these interviews in the orders of tens of millions of of views. So I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. Know, That's why I specifically said I, I know Cat when Williams went on there and did that. You but feel me? one side has has <laughs> it's, you know saying that somebody's on drugs and shit like that is is particularly like. That's that's neither funny nor nor uh, something to to joke about. I mean, it's all dick you know? baggery. You know what I mean? It's all dick baggery. Like, and, but and, and, ultimately, and in the same it's, way, it's adults and, slinging mud at other adults. It's like it's it's super childish shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna view the 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 attack and the retaliation in the same way though. That's also very childish it's like we're not going to say that the person who is retaliating after being attacked is is on the same level no oh just to clarify just to clarify i was never speaking on either one though but i got what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, like yeah that that i wasn't i wasn't speaking on on it like that because that's specifically like other people's business type shit you know what i mean like they're gonna do what they're gonna do and how i feel about that is largely irrelevant yeah so it's all content in the end so it's like you know I, I feel like everyone is doing the best that they can to deal with the fallout of someone saying something that you could do the research on and 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 decide whether uh, it actually matters to you or not, but it's scathing nonetheless. You know what I mean? And so yeah, that's uh, I I think that uh, in the end, as long as Kevin's still selling out his stadiums, I don't think it particularly matters too much to him. In the same way that Dave doesn't care if people are upset that he mentions trans peoples in his joke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we live in the culture of the Streisand effect. So the more you talk, or the more we talk about it, the more, it's just the more engagement it drives. And so that's that's ultimately, like, where they're all going with it. And so, you know, everyone's going to benefit from it because there's no such thing as bad publicity in this media environment, right? You know what I mean? So yeah, in the end, it's a situation where no one can be wrong. So uh, yeah, I, I that's why I'm like, you know, say what you gotta say, Cap. Do what you gotta do. In the end, receipts will will, will bear out what can be what can be proven, and otherwise, not really that important. But yeah, moving on from that, you know, there's been a couple of of news stories that have been developing over you know the course of like the end of the year into the to the beginning of this year that uh I thought would be interesting but kind of of petered out because we had uh the Epstein files were opened up and all they did is tell us a bunch of shit that we already knew which it, it's funny because the kind of shit like if you actually read the, with the document um like why Trump's name pops up in the document it's never actually in reference to anything that he did he was like, we have to, his name popped up because the uh, witnesses were specifically asked about him. And they were saying that they had never encountered him. And it was like, how is that? Like, y'all are like, man, I really wish I knew what they were trying to cover up because this was clearly like a misdirection. Like, there was absolutely nothing in these Epstein files that was uh, really worth looking into or even releasing to the public. You know what I mean? The same way that they talk about when they released the Kennedy files. Like, oh, man, we're going to get so much information. Like, they never fucking release anything with these things that's actually of any import. 
I mean, like, is, is it the people releasing them that promises it's going to be something, or is it people wanting it to be released, hyping it more than it actually is? Um, well, the thing is, is that these are important things to be asked, but what ends up getting released is never inclusive of the parts that we would need to know. Like, in terms of the Epstein documents, there's still a significant amount of redacted names, and it's like, Obviously, those are the names that we would care to see because those are the ones that actually have damaging consequences. And it's like, you know, I can't expect them to. I, I mean, me personally, as a reasonably minded person, is like, of course, they're not going to tell us. You know what I mean? Like, there's no amount of them I saying mean, we're going to release the files. It's ever going to get them to release that part. They'll tell you if you have enough money. That's ultimately yeah. the thing is like. Like, poor people, you got to learn to stop demanding shit of people that you can't force them to do. You feel oh, me? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, that's the whole reason why you get money. <laughs> well, that's it's not to true. not have to. Half of the people, the entire reason why you have money is to protect yourself from the fucked up shit you did to get that money. To expect you to easily find out that information, you're just, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's delusional, you know what I mean? Like, if you had the money to fight against the motherfuckers who are paying to keep that shit secret, then yeah, then absolutely you would. And that would be a reasonable expectation. Yeah. And that just most certainly is not the case. And so, yeah, you know, yeah. there's, there's things that, and and not to mention. I mean, we've, we've seen what happens to a few people. Like, Prince Andrew is sweating like a motherfucker right now. You feel and, me? And, and, and in the end, does he really care? Like, what's really going to happen to him? You know what I mean? And, and I mean, he cares because his family cut cuts him off. And he, he, you know, he doesn't know how to live without their fucking money. Oh, yeah. That's what but, he's but wait, afraid of. But wait, you think his family don't know that he's a pedophile? It's not to, it knowing that he's a pedophile and having oh, it broadcast across the entire world is two entirely different things. And then you harboring a pedophile, those are two completely different things. You feel me? But, and, and that's very true. And I just think that it's it. There's still quite a ways away before they they would even allow that to besmirch their name. Like they still yeah, have significant because, pulls. Yeah, in the it, it's media. an ongoing fight. You know what I mean? Like you know? I always say with these things, it's like it. it Seldom will there ever be just one master stroke that turns it over because well, sure. people are constantly fighting to turn it back. So really, that's what you're seeing. Yeah, but pe- and and people like Pr- Prince Andrew, like they they have pull. Like they they can get something like that to remain redacted because of the you know the you know national security of Britain and whatever security ties are between those yep, agencies. That's what I mean by you that know, money. So yeah, that's not a. We're never going and to, and I don't even know how much it's a meaningful action to chase that down. You know what I mean? Like, if those are the people that were being redacted, like, fuck, let them stay redacted. Who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, honestly, once the, 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 uh, the actual, you know, uh, human trafficking ring is, is dealt with, you know, there's only but so much that we could do chasing down these individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, I, I think a lot of people are really more interested in toting the pitchfork. I think that's really why people yeah. are interested in names specifically, because they want to know where to direct the hate and also have carte blanche to do so. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'm. A, yeah, that's. I, I agree. Those those are the people who are probably the ones keeping that that flame the most fire. vocal. Absolutely, because like, like you said, most people realize that like 
you know, this is this is a logistical issue more than anything else. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, it's a legal issue, but ultimately what's preventing the legal issue from getting there is the fact that there are people who have the influence necessary to keep shit like this out of the public and simply nah it's way too damning to simply for them to simply roll over and let it happen it's you, you this is the type of thing that people will take to their graves because it will damage yeah. not only their careers but it, it's a it's it, it's a dark shadow on anything you've ever done anyone you've ever spoken to any job you've ever worked at because then it's like yo who knew who else knew there's no way nobody else knew that's 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 fucking with you so it's one of those things that nah, that's they're gonna fight tooth and nail to to fucking keep that shit under wraps. And so you gotta fight equally hard to keep that get that shit out. Yeah, so that that whole Epstein file seems to that to have been a smoke mirror. I I'm really interested to see what eventually comes out around this time and like looking back from the future because there, this was a smokescreen for something because there's been other things going on right now in 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 the international news that I think are are pretty relevant, but you know they, they always they always throw out these kind of stories like the same same way they 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 made all of that big uh, to do about the Trump piss tapes and for weeks they were running the news cycle around that stupid ass shit and when it, then it was the ter- Trump tax reforms. Or, or t- um, not tax reform. T- uh, the Trump tax uh, 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 documents that were supposed to come out, and and they just run these stories like you know, same thing with the with the the JFK files. They're just diversionary tactics, is what I've realized. And anytime that they 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 start broadcasting stuff like this of documents that are being unsealed and that were formerly redacted, it's like, bitch, they still gonna be redacted even when you show it to us. You think I'm stupid? Like, come on, there's only but so many times they could do that. And they've run that play like every year, for yeah, like yeah. the past six yeah. years. It's like um, it's like the hurricanes. You know, the media's go lean into it to to get them views up. Yeah, and I don't. And I was I've been wondering if they've been doing it to try to run diversionary tactics for what's going on with with Israel because it's starting to come full head over there. You know, and you know, we could move on into that in into that because it's, it's starting to have a lot of ramifications. Like in the region, not just you know the genocide that Israel's committing in 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 Gaza and the West Bank, but you know they're bombing Lebanon, they're bombing Jordan, they you know what I mean? They're they're working with with Egypt and the UAE on on mass refugee uh, expulsions, like you know it, it's it's actually having ramifications in six or seven different countries now in the area. You have Yemen. You know, uh, uh, America has been trying to uh, to to regain footing in the Red Sea. You know, sending over their battalions of warships because you know the Yemen the Yemeni who who are far more familiar with that area, you know, are 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 running sorties on them. You know, to try to do what they can in solidarity with Gaza. It's and now I don't actually I only know that from Western speaking media because. You know, I always make that caveat because I don't speak Arabic and 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 so I can't consume media that's speaking directly for them. And I know that translation is is fickle when it comes to those kind of things. But a lot of their 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 movements are are timed very much in 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 solidarity with what's going on in Gaza. And you know, 
if the only thing that they could do to interrupt the the supply line of weapons that are being flooded into to Israel to use against Palestinian civilians is to waylay them at sea, then you know that's what they'll do, and and they've been relatively successful in that campaign in terms of slowing it down substantially. So, you know, it's a real it's a real travesty what what's going on, um, and it's. Uh, it's a travesty because the Jewish diaspora is actually larger outside of Israel, and what it and what Israel as a state is doing in the name of these people, I think is is very disparate. Because you know, I I look at a lot of the the actions that are being broadcast from you know various uh, uh, cities around the world, and you know, a lot of those actions are being participated in and and led by Jewish people who don't want genocide done in their name like it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy like how israel you know the rhetoric that's being used from the israeli state that we have you know all of the palestinian people have to be dealt with given that there's 7 million people or palestinian people living on land that has been stolen by israel and they experienced an expulsion of, of six million Jewish people from Eastern Europe. It's just it's scary to me, like how little they can the the people in Israel can see the 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 Nazi propaganda that's being reflected in their behavior. Because Jewish people from outside, in the diaspora from outside of Israel, are looking back in and saying, how can you guys not see what's going on here, you know? And so, you know, not in our name has become a very popular sentiment among among people. And, you know, I think that Israel as a state needs to recognize that if it's going to call itself a Jewish state and there's more Jewish people outside of the state of Israel— who have lineages and documentation because, you know, Jewish synagogues keep very, very uh, uh, detailed documentation of their uh, of, of their flock. And so it's not like, you know, they can just write off all of these people who have been partaking in the faith that they are enacting all these things in. And so, you know, they can, they can appropriate the, the, the uh, cultural... Um, ethnicity of Jewish people to commit these crimes, but that that makes you know that makes them incumbent uh, to to these people, and so and you know I don't think the sentiment supports what they're doing worldwide, and it's just it's crazy to me the the kind of momentum that they that they have with the support of you know American politicians to do what they're doing. And and that's what makes it particularly brave for what South Africa is doing right now with bringing up their their charges in the international uh, uh, criminal court. Um, they received a second. I don't remember from which nation in particular, but um, only because it, it's it's purely symbolic. You know what I mean? And I've gone over this in the past of why it's so. It's it's so terrible, but so so important for the Israelis that America continues to fund these acts and funnel the guns into this area, 
um, because their complicity means that Israel can never be held accountable in the ICC um, through proxy of the American Service Member Act, um, which was, was passed that said that America retains the right to bring its full military force against the international community, uh, the international criminal court, if it chooses to prosecute any um, Americans for their complicity in war crimes, and so by being, you know what I mean, uh, uh, in business with American um, manufacturers of arms, would would be to make them complicit in genocide. So if they're ever convicted of genocide, the people who actively and and publicly promoted the the sale and sending of these weapons would also be complicit in genocide, and those companies are American, and they can never do that. And so, if you can't hold the entire uh, plaintiff accountable, there's no way to really be held serious as a uh, as a you know a criminal court. And so, yeah, it's just I'm I'm glad South Africa t- took the time and the energy to file this complaint. It'll go down on the right side of history, but it, I doubt that it'll ever take any kind of uh, manifestation in reality, in terms of like because I mean if they didn't if they didn't hit um, George Bush for Iraq, when you know what I mean like like they had they they had Colin Powell sit in front of them people and ex- and talk for hours about how there's weapons of war in Iraq. Not a single one of them found. And they write it off as oopsk. How many Iraqi people dead on the back of that information? I mean, we, we know now it's confirmed that, that there was no weapons. Ever. And, that, and so, you know, if the ICC ain't going to do nothing about dumb niggas, I don't know, man. What did we say last time about, like, the court's complicity and not properly... Uh, 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 disciplining that young man the first time he hacked the company, and how their their continued letting him off has now emboldened him to say, "I don't give a fuck. I'm never gonna stop." <laughs> Feel me? When you don't discipline war criminals, all you do is embolden the next one because they build off of each other. They they have a strange parasocial relationship like that where. They they're emboldened by watching other people get away with shit. Like they this their way of one upping, and, and 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 you know it's just we can. What's the point in the laws if you're not gonna enforce them? You know what I mean? Like there there really is no point, and and that's why I've always said like rules are only there for people who are gonna follow them. You know what I mean? Like. They, they make the rules, and if you follow the rules, then good on you. But if you don't follow the rules, there's really not a whole lot of difference between you and the people who made the rules, because the people who make the rules don't ever follow the rules. You know what I mean? Because there's no consequences for them, and that's the only difference between you and them, that there's consequences for you not following the rules. There's no consequences for them. That's the only difference, not who's following the rules and who's not. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. That's, uh, you know, you create that environment when you choose not to prosecute. Um, even on, 
you know, on every level, you know what I mean? Because it, it, we see it on the municipal level, the, the, the unequal execution of the law, and it goes right all the way up to the criminal court, which tells me, like, oh, it's all farce. You know what I mean? Like, if, if at no level does this idea actually function as designed or as, as described, to me, in relation to me, you know what I mean? It's it's not a functional system. And now, if it's functioning as a system of control for you, that's cool. But that's not the pretext that it's sold to most people under. You know what I mean? And so you've created parallel universes, and you get to. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try my very best to organize people around the part that that interfaces with reality, their reality. You know, and so yeah. I appreciate, as I said again, I appreciate South Africa and and its supporting nations in 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 uh, bringing up the, the case in the court. I am I am pretty sure that their defense is well crafted and pre planned. And um, yeah, it's gonna take more real life international solidarity, um, like you know the Swedish ports that no longer sent to Israel like the American protests that are shutting down ports that send stuff out to Israel, like Yemeni uh, uh, Navy uh, uh, sorties trying to slow down, you know, transport through the Red Sea. These are the only things that are, those are the things, you know what I mean? That, that, that's, those are the things that are probably going to have the biggest effect on change when it comes to, to how long Israel can keep up this campaign of terror in, in, in the Palestinian territories of Israel. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm just kind of disillusioned by the effects of what could happen there, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, here's the hoping, here's the hoping because, because, God, man, God forbid we make a uh, an international order that does not permit for genocide. Holy shit, things would things would become very much more different. And honestly, like, I I I don't know how one would execute this, but if we're gonna have a world where private military groups exist. And there are massive armed insurgencies that are trying to create ungovernable states. Why are why are we collapsing and 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 destabilizing countries that that actually function like Ukraine? You know what I mean, like like you know uh, 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 Lebanon, like Syria. Why are we destabilizing those countries? that vaguely work when there's entire areas that 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 we can be deploying these things in in strategic ways to actually try to help you know uh uh bring but you know the only way that it's ever going to happen is if there is some kind of regulation on on how these things are deployed cuz no one deploys them more than America you know what i mean and and you got to find different ways to interface with that military industrial complex with whatever reins that they choose to to um to actually answer to because it's so big now it's like how do you stop the american uh military industrial complex like that 
you know, as as somebody who would love to see change in America, I mean, there ain't no change if you ain't changing that. You know what I mean? That's probably the major driving force in most things that go on in this country. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All righty. Let me wrap up the ranting there. I hope you guys did enjoy the show. If you did, please feel free to subscribe. You can find us on anchor.fm or on patreon.com. You can also find us on social media on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at Home Heron. And also on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast and at Heron's Homies. You can find me on Instagram at RicoGVO. And always remember, guys, time's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks again for joining us and have a great one. Peace out. Take it easy.